What's that? If it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. Ah, that's right. We need a more succinct way of describing these in future podcasts other than little circly grooves in the concrete path. Yep. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Brendan. Where's today's rise? I want to go to Yabitsu Toge! Yabitsu! Yay! You know, we promised we weren't going to say oh, Toge. <laughs> okay, for those who are not Japan natives, Toge means pass. There, you learned something today. Yeah, so You're welcome. It's Yabitsu Pass. Yabitsu Pass. Let's go to Yabitsu Pass. Definitely one of the most popular passes in the Tokyo area. Yeah, and key word there is Tokyo area. Because if you're sitting in your house in the morning, you got to get out and go do a ride. Yeah. You can be in another country in less than an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh-huh. So tell me, why do you like going down there? Because it's not too far. It's a pretty solid climb. What's it, about 700 meters altitude change, I think. Uh, it, it's not even that. I think that the peak is around 700 meters. And then you start at, what, 100? So it's, let's yeah, call it 600. a little under that, yeah. And it's like an hour train ride back home. Mm -hmm. So it's an easy out, easy back. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of other people there. Yeah, it is a heavily cycled yeah. road. I checked this morning and there was 9,704 people or something who had previously done this ride. But that's, of course, the people who are recording it on Strava. Yeah. There are a lot of people who don't do the recording. And I would be so interested to know how many attempts yeah. there are. But you know what we say when we do with the cycling club, right? What's that? If it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. Ah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, it has to be on Strava or you just dreamed it, okay? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So... Where do people start on this? I typically start in one of two places. If I'm taking the, the train from, I'll go to the station yeah. and I'll park my bike and fuel up at a combini. Well, let's, wait, let's take a step back. There's the north side and there's the south side. Okay. Right. And so the more popular side with the train access and the store access, like you said, is on the south. Mm -hmm. And the east, more gentle climb is on the north, and we'll start on the south and go to the north. Yeah, for today. the purposes of this route, yeah. we're gonna walk you along a ride from the south yeah. of the climb to the peak, and then down the north side. Right, right. Mm -hmm. and there's a 7-Eleven, which pretty much everyone starts at. Right, it is difficult to go there at any hour of the day and not see yeah. at least another three or four cyclists yeah. park out front. I mean, I've in the summer, when I like to get out there early, I've been there as early as 6.15 in the morning, mm -hmm. Plenty of cyclists there. <laughs> Six fifty in the morning. Yeah, I was gonna say people are coming down yeah. after yeah. they've already been up and down yeah. at that time of day. I started climbing at six twenty in the morning, mm -hmm. and there's people coming down. Mm -hmm. When I do this climb, I like to break it up yeah. into three sections. I mentally think of it that yeah. way. Yeah. The first part for me is the neighborhood area. I think of it as a it's suburbs. Suburb. It's suburbia down there. Yeah. Right. And you're there, you're driving through, and it's it just like a town. So there's a little more vehicle traffic yep. because of the houses and yep. things like that. There it's is still not a lot of cars, though, let's be fair. It's never heavy. Yeah. Uh, a few lights, a few more intersections, obviously. And, of course, we always stop at the lights. Oh, okay. Yeah, never roll through the lights. Never, never. That would be wrong. Follow the rules, kids. Follow the rules. The interesting thing about this climb to me is that the bottom of the climb 
is probably the steepest section. And then as you kind of traverse up yeah, the it, thirds, right, it I'd gets it, easier. It averages out by, what, 10% for the first third? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is, don't, don't beat yourself up. If you get through this neighborhood section that we're describing and your legs feel like really tired because it is tiring. Yeah. It's not just that it's steep. There's also, it's more up and downs. There yeah. are some little uh, breaks. There's some descents where you ha wind up having to shift, mm -hmm. shift up. Mm -hmm. But what that means is that you don't really get into a nice yeah. solid rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. So the road splits at a little shrine, uh, Kominoge Shrine. And... That's where the, they have that large tori, the yeah, gate in the middle of the road. there's a giant concrete tori. You can't miss it. it. And That's, the road actually splits around it. Mm -hmm. So you, there's no mistaking it for anything else. And following that is this really devastating looking section of road because it's 10%, but it's straight as an arrow. So you see how much pain is in front of you. Right? And for those who might not spend so much time cycling in Japan, a straight road up a hill for 500 meters <laughs> is extremely is, rare. Is extremely rare. Yeah. And after that, so you're already, uh, you're kind of huffing and puffing. Yeah. And then is probably the steepest mm. part of the entire climb. Um, you know it's steep because you'll see the little, the, the road becomes yeah. concrete, not asphalt. And you see these little circles put in yeah. the concrete. That's how, that's, how you, that's how you know that you're getting to a super steep section. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll get... So the Japanese cyclists among us are already chuckling because yes. you know when you see that it doesn't matter which ride you're doing it, you know some uh, some gravity tax is about to be paid. Yeah. Typically, you know it's over 10 to 12 percent when you see those yeah. circle grooves on the road coming. And what the hell do you call those things? I, do you know, if somebody could let us know in the comments, we'd yeah. be very much appreciative. Yeah, we need a more succinct way of describing these in future podcasts, other than little circling grooves in the concrete path. Yep. So please help us out. Yeah. My mental break between the bottom third and next third of the climb is the section of road immediately after that, and my, you'll you'll turn to the left after that section. There's another shrine. Uh, to the right of the road and you'll cross a little bridge and then you'll enter a really forested area it starts becoming very green yeah very from quickly. that point onward it's pretty much forests all the way up mm -hmm. the temple itself is actually pretty nice if you um if you are really cooked and you want a little break uh horenji horenji temple is uh, the name of it yeah right? mm -hmm. and on street view it seems to have some nice cherry blossoms in there too mm -hmm. it's visible from the road uh as you mentioned, cherry blossoms there, and there's some views, because you're elevated at that point, there's some views from the temple and nice little photo spots yeah. overlooking Hadana, where you I, came from. Actually, all the way up, the forest does break from time to time, and you do get the, the view out over Sagami Bay mm -hmm. and the town below as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, uh, uh, the big one is Odawara, so you're kind of overlooking Hadana, Hadano, Odawara, and that body of water is uh, Sagami Bay, and if it's clear enough... You can see like really far into the distance, yeah. even parts of uh, the Izu Peninsula down there. Yeah, thank you. Um, if it's a little too hazy, which is often the case in the summer, you can't see as far, but it's just how it is. There's not a lot of major, major POIs on that part of road. As you mentioned, there's some little breaks. Yeah. You get some scenic overlooks. I think there's a a graveyard yeah there's a parking lot that kind of appears on the right and i stopped my bike uh -huh. one day to kind of look up and it looked like there was a bit of a graveyard up there okay i guess that's what happens to all the cyclists who don't make it to the top yeah well it's efficient 
Yeah. yeah. Japanese are known for their efficiency. Conveniently located. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those. Um, but on the whole, it's not like there's going to be a tourist attraction with a lot of cars hanging out of it until you get to the little lookout yeah. towards the top. Right? And that's that's where I have the mental cut for that's the last third mm -hmm. of the ride. Mm -hmm. Do you often stop at that one? I have exactly once. <laughs> on the way on the way down, uh -huh. I was on my own. I figured I why not go and check it out. And there was actually a spectacular view of Mount Fuji there. Oh, you're lucky actually. So I've stopped more than once, two times at least, maybe a third. When I both both times that I can remember, I went to the lookout. I really did. And it wasn't a particularly bad day, but if you look online. There's this beautiful view of Fuji. Yep. I did not see that. It was too hazy. In the summer, you're, to be honest, you're struggling to see Mount Fuji during the summer. Mm -hmm. I mean, even from our locations in Tokyo. Uh -huh. In the winter, you can see Mount Fuji almost every day. But mm -hmm. in the summer, you're really, really struggling. Right. There are some buses that go up. Like, vehicle traffic is light, as we mentioned. Those buses usually stop there and it, drop a few people yeah. off and pick some up. I mean, but the buses are generally for the hikers, which we'll talk about a, a bit later, mm -hmm. but they are absolutely full. And since the road is so narrow from about that lookout all the way up to the top, the buses can have a really hard time getting by. Mm. Most of the bus drivers are pretty good and wait for a good point, but not always. And some of them can cut really close. Mm -hmm. And you have to be especially careful on the descent because they really do take up the whole road. <laughs> so if you're not careful, right, you got to make sure there's not a bus around the corner as you're coming down. I have upset a few bus drivers coming down because I was going up and not following the rules and was swinging a little wide to kind of level out the climb. Yeah. And they got very upset and honked at me. Honestly speaking, I haven't had any close passes like when they're coming up behind me. And the other one was my fault. So I, I really can't complain. If you go early in the morning when all the hikers want to go, the but there's a few more buses on the road mm -hmm. and they put on extra ones during the climbing season like in the fall mm -hmm. and in when you climb in the fall you're struggling to get up mm -hmm. and not be passed by one mm -hmm. especially at my speed <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why i don't get past them i'm going too fast i did check the numbers this morning your best time is only four minutes faster than mine oh that is embarrassing but in my defense when was your best time posted? Uh, 2012. So if I do my math correctly, as of this recording, isn't that almost a decade ago? Possibly. Okay, yeah. So I was I a different, wanna, different person with a different body back then. I just want to point out to our listening audience that Brendan looks nothing like he did almost a decade ago. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm here for motivation. All right, so, Jordan, what is there waiting for us at the top of this pass? So you go past the lookout, and things cool off a bit. As we mentioned, it actually levels up. Uh, so the climbing becomes less and less intense as you get to the top. When you, you know you're getting close because it gets a little cooler, it gets a little greener, actually. Mm -hmm. And the very top, there's a plaque there. It's right at 761 meters. I know because I'm looking at a picture of it right now. And there's always people, because it's such a popular cycling route, doing Instagram photos and selfies there. And there is a, there is a little hut there that has a vending machine, but be aware, it is mountain pricing. Yes, it that. is probably twice as expensive yeah, as is. what it costs you at the uh, convenience store down at the bottom. Mm -hmm. There's also a um, public toilet there. 
It is the stinkiest public toilet in Japan, I think. It is foul. Then, but if you're if it's an absolute emergency, you've got a place to go. Then those and those with a weak olfactory sense should steer <laughs> yes, clear. Yes, just stay away. But the reason all that stuff is up up there is including a pretty large parking lot, is that it's such a popular hiking destination. Have you been hiking up there? Actually, I have. Uh, I took the, the, the wife and the dog uh, a few years ago, and we started there. The whole area, by the way, it's called um, the Tanzawa Quasi National Park, if I'm not mistaken. And Jordan, what is a quasi national park? <laughs> Good question. We had to look this up before the podcast. Apparently, quasi-national means that it's not national at all. It's managed by the prefectures or states, as opposed to the uh, national government. But that's why the translation is just so odd. Yeah, Fair enough. But it's there. And as we've mentioned, lots of hiking routes around there. So very popular among those who are doing both day hikes yep. and also you know multi-day hikes because there's a daisy chain of trails that yep. hook into other national park areas. One of the cool things that my wife and I stumbled across when we were hiking is this paragliding takeoff zone. We had no idea this thing was up there. So what happens? You just like run off and ho hope that you fly off the end of the ramp? Yeah, like, okay, we're, we're, we're hiking around up there, and we begin seeing a disproportionately large number of people paragliding. I don't know about you. It's just not something I see on a day-to-day -day basis. Especially in Japan, you don't see a whole lot of that. Right? And But here they were. I thought, what's going on? Is this some kind of, like, paragliding festival? No. We're hiking along the trail, and it's, it, like... The equivalent of a paragliding airport, I guess. But <laughs> although this airport only supports departures, <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't. To this day, I can't tell you where they land. Um, but a paragliding airport consists of a, a couple of uh, planks of wood. Um, it looks like you get about five, ten meters of netting at the bottom if you fail to launch. After that. Yeah, you're on your own. It kind of sounds like that, what's this, the world's most dangerous airport in Nepal, where you basically <laughs> land, like, right on the, from a cliff into yeah. a mountain face? Yes, and that's, that's about what this thing is. You just, you, you have faith in your equipment, and you run off this wooden platform, and, again, if you clear the netting, it's cliff, yeah, and, so and you're and off. And flap your arms really quickly. Uh -huh, very quickly. Oh, got but, it. it. It's kind of entertaining, okay. so you can go and, and check this out if you're if you're around in the area. Okay, time for a shameless plug. Check out Spora.cc to find this and many other exciting and beautiful routes the world over. Spora is the global cycling adventure game where you can complete challenges and battle your friends to explore your world while getting fit and climbing that leaderboard. So feel free, make correction, I encourage you to cyberstalk us at Spora.cc. Spora, what motivates you? Now for the descent, I typically tend to prefer going down the north side because it's not as intense a grade, except for the little steep bit at the top. It's mm -hmm. mostly about 3 or 4%, mm -hmm. which means you're only really breaking into corners, which there are many of, including a few hairpins. Mm -hmm. But it means you can really take in the scenery as you go down. Right. Well, for me, personally, unlike the climb on the south side, which I break into three parts, I essentially break the north side into two. Basically, a steep bit 
and a not so steep bit. The steep bit, as you mentioned, it's really technical, but it's not crazy steep. There are a few sections that are whatever, 10% grade mm -hmm. around about. Uh, but yeah, you're breaking into the corners uh, and you need to keep an eye on the little mirrors that Japan gives you for yeah. those corners because cars do come up the other yeah. side and a lot of times that road is what? One, one and a yeah, half one lane? And sometimes you get people going in their cars way too fast for the conditions. <laughs> Correct. And also at the very top, because there are so many hikers there getting dropped off by the yeah. buses, just be wary that there might be people yeah. on the road around a blind yeah. corner or something like that. And one little treasure near the top is that uh, there's now a bypass road built around it, so it's easy to miss, but there is some spring water right at the top mm -hmm. just after you start descending. The Gomayashiki Springs, definitely some good tasting water. Yeah, that's a little hint because as you mentioned that uh, mountain hut is mountain pricing. So your bottled water is going to be two times as expensive, but you get better tasting stuff if you just go over the crest yeah. and down a little yeah. bit and hit the springs. Yeah. That's where you really want to stop, honestly speaking. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, try, I try to make it there every time. People wonder why I disappear from behind them when we go down. Uh -huh. And it's just to grab the water there. <laughs> and I don't know about you. On more than one occasion, probably three times on that steep bit, I have seen abandoned cars there. Apparently, it's a popular place to go dump your car. Interesting. Yeah, so if you carjacked somebody or you have a car that you need to dispose of but don't want to like pay the fees, rip off the VIN numbers and get the tags and uh, you know bust out the windows and just leave it uh, north side that's of Yamitotoke. That's a very specific mm -hmm. instruction PSA. set. PSA. You've, you've, and you've never done this yourself. <clears throat> no, no, never done it myself. Okay. <laughs> um, just a word of caution. Uh, I don't want to date this podcast in any way, but not too long ago, there was a major typhoon, typhoon number 19, yeah. that uh, rocked Japan. Yeah. And that washed out the North Road. Yes. So there are currently, if you are planning to do this in, say, 2020 yeah. timeframe, you might have a difficult time riding the North Side. So I did actually look for some photos before this. I went onto the construction company's website, and this is definitely not a closed road you can skip. Mm -hmm. um, there are huge sections of road missing. Mm -hmm. There's tunnels half filled with rubble, yeah. like way above the line of where a car would go through. Mm -hmm. you, it's genuinely impassable. I I hesitate to admit this. In the past, when there was road construction there, I I have jumped the construction. We did that on a club ride. You said you were going to challenge it, and I went back because I was feeling low on energy. <laughs> and about an hour later. You caught up with me back down at Hatton Station. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. I've jumped the fence. And in the past, you could do that. Following the Typhoon number 19 damage, I don't think that's an option. I mean, they've really fenced it up. But even if you could get around the fence. Yeah, you, you, you just can't get your bike yes. down the road. It's impassable. But uh, because it's such a major artery and a popular recreation destination, yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll get to the repairs yeah. pretty quickly. So just finishing up the descent on the north side. Uh, so once once you kind of get within a few kilometers of Miyagase Lake, it really does flatten out. Yeah, so there's a there's a there's a left hook in a bridge. Yeah. And for me mentally, that's the end yeah. of the steep part. That's where it really gets nice because it's not so technical. You can just freewheel, and it's a gradual one, yeah. two percent grade, and you can take in the views. And you still get the the gorge on your right as you go down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, there are a few 
beautiful looking swimming holes. I've never jumped in, but man, I've really been tempted. One would of you, these days, I'm going to hop off the bike and just dive in. We should try summer. that when it's open in the summer sometime. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't wait till they reopen the road. Not only because it's one of my favorite rides, but just the, the area around it is a good place to go. All right. So getting there. Mm-hmm. Typically from Tokyo, it's uh, a 60 kilometer ride if you take the Route 246 out, mm-hmm. which in all fairness, I don't think either of us can recommend. It's it's a pretty heavily trafficked road. I have my back roads way, which adds about seven or eight kilometers to the route. Mm-hmm. I'll put that in the show the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, please do. Yeah. Uh, you've taken me on that route before, and I really liked it. I would never even attempt uh, to do Route 246. I know some people have. I've ridden little chunks of it, but it's not pleasant. It's definitely not. It's basically a three-lane yeah, dual carriageway the whole way. With, yeah. with tons of stoplights and, and not very kind or patient yeah. traffic. So we... While it's possible, we don't recommend that route. Follow the route in the show notes. Brendan does a great job of keeping you, for the most part, totally off the main roads. Yeah, and you're not. It's not too technical. You're not going around a million corners the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the alternative is train access. It's about an hour and fifty minutes from Shinjuku, so it's not too far at all. Mm-hmm. To down to Hadano Station. Hadano Station. That's the that's the closest one. Do you do you even change trains from nope. Shinjuku? It's just one tr- one. It's train just all the a way. straight shot. Yeah. yeah so. You, you know, you throw your bike in the bag, yeah. you get in a Shinjuku, and you're down in Hadano and riding yeah. in an hour, 20 minutes. Typically, I ride out and mm-hmm. then train it back, mm-hmm. especially during the summer when it's so hot during the middle of the day. I'll set off at 4.30 in the morning or so. Mm-hmm. Then I'll be finished up at 10 or 11, have a lunch, and then just come back on the train. So I have to admit, just because of where I live, I have really easy access to Tome, which is one of the main highways, and it runs from Tokyo to very close to Hadano Station. And you get off at the Hadano Nakano State uh, interchange, and you can do that in 35, 40 minutes or so. So typically traffic is light and tolls are not expensive, a few hundred yen. Is it really that cheap? Yeah, it's uh, about the price of the one-way train fare, honestly speaking. But of course, then you have to factor in a little additional fuel yeah. costs. Um, parking around Hadano Station tends to be a bit pricey though for my tastes but uh for those in the know i have found a um some free parking that's a little south of town there and it's also a very lovely area the only downside is that climbing out of that parking lot is incredibly steep (laughs) (laughs) and also i know you you like to drive down there and then you like combine the yabitsu with a tanzawa lake or something yeah. which we will talk about on a future podcast that's right because round trip from tokyo to doing this uh yabitsu loop is going to be it's going to put you over 100k yeah so if you want to do yabitsu toge but combine it with some other mileage yeah. then yeah you probably want to train or car it out down if, to Hadan. if you were going to start in central tokyo ride down to Hadano, do the climb and come back down mm-hmm. uh the south side mm-hmm. back into Hadano again you that in itself is a hundred or so, mm-hmm. and then you'd, you'd still be in store for 50 kilometers or so, 60 kilometers mm-hmm. coming back. Mm-hmm. So that is a very long day. Yeah. In terms of weather... I mean, what you see in Tokyo is what you get there, yeah, realistically. Yeah, it's because it's so close. Yeah, yeah so... There, it, there are days when uh, when it might, not, might be overcast in Tokyo, but it actually winds up just raining a bit in the mountains. I've had that. You get the more humid air coming in over the sea, and it makes it damp. Mm-hmm. And on that note, uh, some of my friends like to try and go there in the winter, 
but the top is completely shaded in the forest. It get it can be get dewy, and then since it's the seven hundred meters up, that means it's five or six degrees cooler, which means it it'll this, push it past the freezing point, right? And so the, the yeah. so your the ice burn might not ever actually melt, and so it. it there do seem to be risks in terms of doing it in the winter. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of nice lower roads in that area. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, you have to be pretty sure yeah. that if it's been If you're going to do it in the yeah, winter, winter, just take, like, use your brain and descend with caution yeah. at a minimum. And also just make sure you check the weather conditions and what the freezing point yeah. is, because that can get pretty hairy at the yeah. top. Um, the other, on the other end of the spectrum, in summer, it can get extremely hot and humid. Yeah. And that south side in particular, even though a lot of it's shaded, it will absolutely cook you. Yeah. It can get almost like dangerous, right? Yeah. Because you're climbing yeah. if you're doing our route from the south. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a just a word of caution. The, I will say that one nice thing, if you just do, you know, an out and back, yeah. when you get back to Havano Station, for those of you who have not checked it out, there's a uh, fantastic springs right Really? In the station. Yeah. I've been back and forth on that station like 20 times. No, it's right there. It's where? It's like literally in the rotary. You have you haven't been to this thing. I based on your description, I've been within two meters of it, but yeah, not yeah. noticed it existed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really it's So this a, is a this is just a oh natural as a natural spring, spring it's not it's not hot spring and it's drinkable it, it's quite the opposite it comes from extremely far underground it's not uh heated it's like cut your like hurt your teeth cold mm. it's so cold but in the summer that's exactly yeah. what you want and it is drinkable you'll in fact you'll see a lot yeah. of uh locals filling yeah. up water bottles there all right so that puts you back at the station mm -hmm. anything else you want to mention before we close this out um no other than if you've got family and you want them to like... Oh yeah, rec the requisite, where can you dump the family advice when you want to go cycling? <laughs> right, yeah. So I would say it's sufficiently close to Tokyo, just dump them back at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's stuff to do in... it Because it's so close, they can go run around the city if you're doing like travel, tour or something, and you can go get your riding and get back in early afternoon. Um, alternatively, if it's an outdoor life, like loving family, as we mentioned before, there's the tons of camping and hiking options yep. and Miyagase Lake. In fact, that's even another interesting area to ride yep. around. We'll and we'll talk, another, yeah, there's definitely a bunch of things you can do around the Miyagase Lake. There's a dam and there's a park and mm -hmm. there's food and there's, well, yeah. and the key is swimming. So if you've got family kids or something and you want them to swim, there's that option too. I like the I like the idea of the campsite down along the river mm -hmm. on the on the north side there. Yeah, especially Meet up with your family there, and then take the car back. Mm -hmm. And I think isn't there even like a cafe or a little barbecue joint or something like that? There's on a that road? there's definitely a sign for a few as I go down. Don't remember the details though. Uh huh. Yeah. So we'll um, let's pick up Miyagase Lake in another yeah. episode. But I think that about ends our ride of Yabitsa Pass. All right. I'll see you on the road. Yeah. See you on the road, Brendan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Spora podcast. Check out this and other interesting routes at spora.cc. Don't forget to subscribe, like, write a review, and tell us about your favorite routes on the Spora subreddit. Maybe we'll do an episode on it. Spora, what motivates you?